Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party, and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Well, this might be my uh, my last uh, as what used to be called bridge nightcap for a while. You know, generally, I'm here till nine o'clock, but there are several instances where there is a game. NHL playoffs, the Sabres, of course, during the NHL season, NBA once in a while, the Bandits once in a while, where I get uh, I get out of here a little bit early to make room for a uh, a big sporting event. And I'm thinking tonight, you know, Game 7 of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, you're going to have a lot more of me going forward after tonight. But uh, for today, at least, only till 7.45. We're about 40 minutes away from getting you to coverage of Game 7 Blues at Bruins. Uh, Final game of the NHL season tonight. Final game of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Final game of the Stanley Cup final. Um, Two cities that I think are completely different. Two teams that are very similar, in my opinion. Uh, You've got St. Louis on one side, who's kind of one of the more suffering sports cities, I would say, in the country. You lost your football team. Your hockey team hasn't been to the finals for 50 years. The Cardinals have had success, so at least you got them. But that's about it. You don't have a basketball team. So right now you've just got baseball and hockey. You lost your football team. They could use some winning. I would root, I'm would. i rooting for them. I'm rooting for the Blues hard tonight. All in. Whereas Boston's the complete opposite. That's the last city on earth that needs another sports championship. And they still got those guys on their team, right? If you're a Sabre fan, you got guys that you've been hating for a while. Chara is still a goon. Marshawn is still a jerk. Like, no thanks. I don't need any part of the Bruins winning. It's interesting to me there's been a bit of a debate uh, amongst people I talk to. Like, even in the... I'm, I'm coming in the other day, and uh, I'm talking to Joe Beamer from uh, WBEN uh, down the hall. And he's like, yeah, I'm rooting for the Bruins. I don't want to see Ronda Riley win. And I think some people have that sentiment, that same uh, that same sentiment, that they don't want to see O'Reilly win. They don't want to see the guy that probably wanted out of Buffalo was almost saddened by the fact that things were going so poorly here in Buffalo, team-wise. Like, you don't want to see him 
when you don't get almost anything yet for the trade, when you send them away, you don't want to see them go off to another team and kind of lead them to a Stanley Cup. That's a tough feeling. Not just because, why couldn't he do that here? But partially, you want him back. I think that's a little bit of what's going on right now. How could you not want him back? There might be some personality questions with Ryan O'Reilly. But the guy is a 70-point player. 60 is 70-point player. And that's just on the offensive end. We all know what he provides is an all-around game. And he's an honest guy. He seems he comes across as an honest and a good guy. There's a nice story today about him uh, buying a Boston kid a guitar who was just kind of just playing around with, with uh, his own guitar or with one at, uh, at a store or something, and he buys the kid a guitar. Like he's always He always struck me as that kind of guy. I can root for that. I can get on board with that, even if he wasn't a former Sabre, even if we didn't have him. It will be bitter, though. If the Blues win the Cup tonight, bittersweet it'll be. If they win the Cup tonight, I'm not going to lie, it will be tough to see him, considering he was a Sabre last season. It'll be tough to see him raise the Conn Smythe Trophy and the Stanley Cup. Now, it's not locked in that he wins the Conn Smythe. Jordan Bennington is certainly going to be in the running for that, maybe even Jaden Schwartz to an extent. Um, but it's probably O'Reilly. Like, if the Blues won tonight, he would be the favorite to win it. I think a heavy favorite uh, to win it. And that will be bittersweet. It'll be a tough pill to swallow. You're the guy that you couldn't make it work with while he was here, at least team-wise. I mean, he produced for you. But he's going to go off somewhere else and maybe be the playoff MVP. But I'm still rooting for the Blues. I'm rooting for O'Reilly. Um... Because at the end of the day, to me, he was always an honest player that always gave 110% on the ice. He never questioned uh, what he was giving on the ice. Is anyone out there rooting for Boston? I think no, right? Well, I know one. I know uh, our buddy Joe Beamer down the hall is rooting for him. But I can't imagine that's a very popular uh, thought from a lot of uh, hockey fans here in the city tonight. Um Plenty on the cup, plenty on the final uh, game seven tonight. We'll uh, we'll expand on that as we progress. We're about forty minutes away, just under, from getting you the coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The most intriguing storyline in sports today has not been really about the NBA. It hasn't been about the NHL. It hasn't been about the NFL. Everyone is talking about the women's soccer team today, right? Isn't that who would have saw coming that? A storyline that's dominating the sports landscape today came from the U.S. Women's World Cup team against Thailand. And if you watched any sort of that game last night, you knew Thailand had no business being on that same field. And the women are getting the U.S. women are getting criticized for basically running up the score and celebrating. Celebrating pretty hard, I would say, after each goal. Now, the last thing I personally ever want to be in life is get off my lawn guy. I never want to be that. I never want to be get off my lawn guy. But in this specific circumstance, like I, I kind of get why some people might have a problem with it. They are, the U.S. yesterday are slaughtering Thailand. Slaughtering them. It's 3 nothing at the half. I don't think Thailand had a shot on goal. You knew it was over when it was 3-0. They come out in the second half and they continue to dominate. They continue to go 110% full speed ahead. And they score 8 in the second half to make it 13-0. I have no problem running up the score. 
anywhere in sports. I have no problem running up the score. If you don't want me to score on you, then stop me. That, that comes in football, when, the, when it comes up in high school football once in a while, especially really when you get into situations where you've got two teams on the field, one of which is just a lot better than the other one. If you don't want me to run up the score, then you need to stop me. Celebrating is a little bit different to me. Celebrating is a little bit different. And especially, by the way, running up the score when goal differential matters. In the FIFA Women's World Cup, Goal differential matters. And if you saw Thailand yesterday, and if you saw some of the other teams in the U.S.'s group, I think Sweden played a really well game. I think that that's the right group. Like, it's very possible that that could come down to a tiebreaker. There's some other good teams in there that aren't Thailand. And if the U.S. needed goals to win a group, because they're almost certainly going to advance to the next round, but if they needed a goal differential tiebreaker to win a group, well, they wouldn't want to have to look back on that Thailand game and say, like, oh, we could have scored three more, and we missed it. We should have took it. I'm completely fine with them scoring as many goals as possible. But you don't have to go crazy after every goal, do you? Like, maybe after goal six, tone it down a bit. Right? Is that, that's fair. I don't think that's overly critical. I don't think that's overly get-off-my-lawn guy. Get to goal six. Just tone it down. Turn it down from an eleven to like like a like a four on the on the celebrations. Good rule of thumb for me is once the rule or once the result is guaranteed, like once the win is guaranteed, that's when you tone it down a notch. And yesterday, you, you get to a point where you know you're gonna win. So all you're really serving to do is rubbing it in the face of the opponent. And unless there's some sort of bad blood between you and the opponent, which from what I've read and from what I understand, there was no, none whatsoever between the U.S. and Thailand, then you just, you just, you know, I don't want to say act professional, but just be a little more respectful, I would say, of who your opponent is. You don't have to rub it in their face because really that's all you're doing when you're jumping around and it's 10, 11, 12, nothing. But like I said, I'm all in favor of running up the score. Any situ- it's any situation. Like, that's sports. You're supposed to try your hardest every every minute. And you want... If you, if you only want... Out of the rest of the game, the other team to stop trying, then you're the ones that need to get off the field. That's what my opinion on that is. But the other thing that came out out of that whole, I don't even want to call it a controversy. It's, it is a bit overblown, but I guess i got to call it a controversy because a lot of people are talking about it. Abby Wambach, one of the best, if not the best, women's soccer player of all time. Um, former striker for the U.S. And she tried to bring up the point, I think while on ESPN yesterday, that, oh, would you be criticizing the men's team? For the same thing. And I was kind of surprised to hear that. Because. My thought on that would be. Don't we do that a lot? Like. Wh- I-, I-, I hope they don't think that. Sports media. Sports radio. At- sports writers hold back. On this sort of stuff. With-, with male athletes. Like that happens all the time. Watch Coach's Corner with Don Cherry. I mean, it's half that segment every single week. It's a guy is over celebrating. He's getting in. He's criticizing Evgeny Kuznetsov for doing the doing the bird celebration. Like that happens all the time. 
We we experienced a little of that here. Stevie Johnson back in the day. Like there was there was talk about his celebrations and were they overboard and has he gone too far in some instances and why does he need to do it? He's not good enough to do it. So to me that that's a I don't like that point that oh would you be doing would you be criticizing the US men's team if they were doing the same thing? First of all, the US men's team would obviously never be doing that well. Um there was a funny stat yesterday that the US women's team yesterday with their 13 goals matched in one day what the US men or in one day the US women matched what the US men's team had scored in over 2000 days. 13 goals. I mean, yeah, it's right here. 13 goals for the U.S. women's team yesterday. The U.S. men's team, wow, I was way low on what that number was. The U.S. men's team has scored 13 World Cup goals in the past 6,202 days. So it would never happen that probably the U.S. men would ever be up that big on any country that would make it to the men's World Cup. But I have to think that if they were in the same situation, that I think we'd be sitting here having the same conversation right now. And I think a lot of people would be having the same conversation. When you're up 10 in soccer, you don't need to be celebrating like you're in the knockout phase and it's 0-0. And you're taking a 1-0 lead. Again, that's so uncomfortable coming out of my mouth because I, I, I want to believe that, but I hate being any sort of get-off-my-lawn guy. I hate that. I hate it. And I'm kind of doing it here. But, like, you do have to draw a line in the sand, and I guess I'm drawing my line at the sand at 6 nothing in a soccer game to tone down the celebrations a bit. 803-0550 if you want to t- uh, let me know what you think of that. We'll talk more about the Stanley Cup Final tonight when we come back. Um, also on the Sabres, Jeff Skinner was on the station today. I got another thought about something I'd like to see them accomplish uh, this offseason. We've talked a lot about the uh, what they'll do in the offseason this, this week. Uh, Jason Zucker... Um, a couple of the free agent defensemen, Carlson's a little lofty of a goal, but he's going to be available. Tyler Myers, Jake Gardner, guys I wouldn't really like to see the Sabres sign, um, as well as also like what else they can do with forward, and that, that's kind of where we're going with that. There's there's other options at forward that haven't really come up that I'd like to mention uh, tonight with you, like some some good ideas for the Sabres to do this offseason. 803 is the phone number if you want to get a hold of me on the phones, or you can text me at 550-550 or hit me up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. We are about a half hour away from getting into coverage of Game 7, Blues and Bruins, which will be right here on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of car. Cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Be part of the WGR Celebrity Golf Tournament July 8th at Seneca Hickory Stick Golf Course. Place your bid on your favorite celebrity or buy your foursome now at WGR550.com. 
that it'll be something that I kind of sort of seek out. I think that as just sort of a natural part of the process, I think the longer you're in an area or in a team or in an organization, the more comfortable you get and the more you sort of evolve as a player and as a person, I think. And going into this year, I'm not looking to sort of change anything. I think that for me, I just try and keep learning and, and growing as a player in person. I think that we got a lot of great people in, in the organization and a lot of people that I'm going to continue to learn from. So I'm excited to start that. Jeff Skinner was on the morning show today. You can check that out on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. John Shannon had some comments on this last night. I think a lot of us rolled our eyes at it, but, I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. The same way that I kind of... I don't brush off, I guess, all the people that have criti- that criticize like Josh Allen's game. Um, I-, I take that into consideration when thinking about like what the Bills have in him. Because if there are so many people that don't see him succeeding in the NFL, well, there has to be at least something to that. I think he could overcome it. The accuracy issues, um, the not having any college production... But there is something to it. You, I, That's always in the back of my mind when thinking about what do the Bills really have in Josh Allen. And the same way here, like, I love the contract. I, I really like the contract. I wouldn't say love. Um, I think you did overpay for him, but I thought you had to do it. And I also don't think you played paid a crazy amount. Because really, at the end of the day, the number sounds big. But when you look at the percentage of your cap, it's really not that outrageous. It's actually a pretty fair number, considering what uh, similar players have gotten in the past. So, in that respect, I think it's actually a good contract. I think it's a good signing. And I think it's completely unreasonable to compare this Skinner signing to other bad signings the Sabres have had in the past. Uh, Matt Molson, Vili Leno, Christian Erhoff. Here is what uh, John Shannon, by the way, this is what I'm referring to, uh, John Shannon of Sportsnet said yesterday uh, on the air in Canada. They seem to be able to make the same mistakes time and time again. Do I do I dare say the name Vili Leno when you overpay? Now, I'm not suggesting... Leno from- and Erhoff, that was when Pagula first bought the team and told Darcy Regeer to go on a shopping spree. Learn, learn your lessons. Learn your lessons. Now, I get that to an extent, right? I want the Sabres to learn that lesson too. To not just recklessly throw money at anyone who will take it. You don't want that to happen. I don't want to throw money at the next Billy Lano. I don't want to throw money at the next Matt Molson. But I think when you really look in depth at the the style of the player and you look at, and you look at the uh, the type of the free agent, I think that there is a big difference. A big difference. Uh, Matt Bovey, I think, was the one who pointed it out on Twitter earlier. Billy Lano had 40 career goals. Skinner had 40 last season. It's a big difference. The guy is not a 40-goal scorer. He's not, all right? Jeff Skinner scored 40 last year, but he's not a 40-goal scorer. It was the first time he did it in his career, and it was really only the second time he came close to doing it. He's probably a 30-goal scorer. But what he is is a guy who's capable of scoring 40 goals, and for that, I'm completely fine paying $9 million of an $83 million salary cap to a Jeff Skinner rather than paying... What was Leno's contract? Was that six million bucks a year? If it wasn't six, it was at least five. It was big money. And at that time, the cap was like ten million dollars lower. So it was almost the same cap figure. But one guy has a proven track record track record of being 
good, like an all-star level player, while Leno was a guy who had one good year for the Flyers and one really good playoff run. There wasn't the sample size with him that there was with Jeff Skinner. This is a safe signing. His skating ability, his ability to finish, not just in and around the net, his ability to finish not playing with elite centermen. There are tons of factors that make this signing completely different than the Molsons, the Okposos, and even the, the Airhoffs if you want to stretch it into defensemen. But look at Okposo, look at Molson. Those two signings went horribly wrong. We loved the ideas of them at the time. Why? Because we did see production there. Molson especially. Actually both. Both had really good seasons. But what do they both have in common? They both put up that production while playing with a great centerman. With John Tavares. And they also did that by scoring in and around the net for a lot of their goals. And being like almost physical goals. The grinded out, old school style, power forward type of scoring. And it's not just the Sabres that did that. The Oilers fell for it with Milan Lucic. The Bruins fell for it with David Backus. Other teams fall for it too. The Sabres threw their money this time at a guy who built his career not playing with a great centerman. Jordan Stahl, like a 40-point guy, was maybe the best centerman he ever had consistently. He built his career with that. Does he score in around the net a lot? Yes, but he doesn't really do it by being a power forward. He does it by being clever. He does it by being crafty. He does it with how good his shot is and how good his release is. And he's also very capable of carrying the puck, of being the playmaker on a line if he really has to. Like, there's more of that to his game than, say, a Vander Kane. A Vander Kane is a very one-dimensional goal scorer as an offensive player. Skinner... I think is a very good goal scorer, and I would definitely qualify him as a straight goal scorer. But he does have a little bit of playmaking to his his game, too. He has some ability to possess the puck with zone entries and such. It's not the same. To me, those other guys that you signed were reliant on having a great centerman to be productive. Well, I don't see Skinner in that same light. I don't. Now, he might need Eichel to get 40 goals, but does he need him to get to 30? I don't think so. Because he got the 30 with Victor Rask as his centerman in Carolina. And Jordan Stahl. It's not the same. It's just not the same. But again, it could go wrong. I would not predict it will. But John Shannon might be right. He might, at the end of the day, being he might end up being right. And I can get why the Sabres have that reputation with some people. If I was John Shannon, and I was working in Canada, and I was following the Leafs mainly, and the teams in Canada, and on the outside looking in, I'm always kind of keeping my eye on the Sabres, because, you know, they're close to Canada, and, you know, us in Buffalo, like, I have to figure we're one of the few uh, sports radio stations in the country that are calling Sportsnet people to be on our station. So I'm sure he keeps tabs on them to some extent, but it's not like he's a diehard fan. It's not like he's covering the team. It's not like he's talking about the team day in and day out. So what... What would you think? Put yourself in his shoes. What would you think of the Sabres if you were in John Shannon's shoes? I have to imagine, I would think very similarly. I would look at a team that has been bad for a long time and that over the course of that long time where they've been bad has given out a lot of really bad contracts. So my instinct would absolutely be, 
Wow, you just gave Jeff Skinner $9 million? Woo! I don't know about that. That seems like a lot. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm discrediting, to some extent, what he's saying because I don't think he's really looked hard enough at the differences between Skinner and Molson and Oposo while also kind of understanding how he arrived at, at what he just said there. I like the signing. I think it's going to work. I think he's going to be good for at least five years of this eight-year deal, if not more, because of his ability to just... His balancing, the way he skates on his edges, along with some solid speed. Like I think his style of game lasts to your mid-30s at least, if he stays healthy. That's another thing about Skinner. I listened to that whole discussion between John Shannon, and there was another guy on there, and Jeff Merrick as well. And the one guy who I'm not sure who, who it was, was kind of defending the signing. And someone, I think maybe it was Shannon, brought up the fact, well, oh, he's got these injury questions too. And I like that this guy had this ready to go. I wish I knew his name off the top of my head. But he mentioned how Skinner's actually been one of the more healthy players in the league. Since 2015, he's missed three games. <laughs> I mean, in the last four years, he's missed three games. He hasn't played under 70 games since 2013, and I think that might have been a half year. That was a half year. So, I mean, you look at the guy's career. He played 64 games in 2011-2012, and that's it. So, I, I remember when the Sabres traded for him. It's like, oh, there might be concussion issues there. You never know about that. Like, he came with some sort of worry that, hey, there could be some injury concerns here. You look at it now, the guy's one of the healthiest players in the league. Just go back in his career. Zero games missed. Zero games missed. Three games missed. Zero games missed. Five games. Eleven games. Ooh. Zero games. Eighteen. There's the one year. Zero. The guy's healthy. And considering we've been living on a team that has guys like Zach Bogosian uh, on it who, who can't stay healthy, like that's where you really have injury concerns. I don't have almost any concerns with Jeff Skinner being here other than maybe you paid a million dollars too much. And I'm not too worried about that much money. Anyways, I teased going into the segment a new name that we haven't really been mentioning a lot as an idea for the Sabres and free agency. I love the idea of Marcus Johansson. I've mentioned him a bunch. Um, if, if if or even if you do get Matt Duchesne, uh, if you do or if you don't, I like the idea of Johansson. Um, Duchesne obviously is like the whale that you're going to go for. Panarin's unrealistic. Carlson's probably unrealistic. And then you look down the rest of the free agent uh, chart and you look at, okay, uh, the way I do it is I sort them by points because when you go to these sites that list free agency for the NHL, generally what they do is they go by cap hit. And I don't like doing that because I always see Jason Spezza at the top and like he's not a good player. And he, I have no interest in him anyway. So I look at points and it's like, all right, I got, uh, who do I got here? I got Artemi Panarin on top. Okay, not doing that. Duchesne number two. I'd love to do that. Uh, Pavelski probably staying in San Jose. Nyquist, there's an idea, but he's 30 years old already and a winger. Like, I'd like to do a centerman. Then I get to fifth on the list. And it might surprise you this guy's fifth on the list. If I told you right now that the Sabres could get a centerman who does who has played the wing as well, can do both, but is a centerman, or he's listed as a centerman at least. You know, now that I, I look at him, he, he's done some center, but I do think he's played more of wing. So maybe he could do both. A centerman, 
who's 27 years old, hitting free agency. He had 26 goals last year for 56 points. He's had three 20-goal seasons in a row. And he played in the playoffs last year. So if you want that playoff experience even, he didn't do so well, but he played in the playoffs. He's played in the playoffs uh, two of the last three years. What if I told you the Sabres could get that guy in like a, like a $5 million a year contract? I think you'd take that, right? But I think if I told you the name and then attached a $5 million number to him, I think a lot of people's reaction would be, oh, I don't know if I want to pay that guy that much. But think, think about just the, the numbers there. 27 years old, 26 goals last year, 56 points, and he has three straight 20-goal seasons. The guy I'm talking about is Ryan Dezingle. And it might surprise you, you might not even know who that is. He's not a big name in the league. Ryan Dezingle. I love that idea for the Sabres. Versatile. I have seen him play center, but like I said, I think he's done more of the wing. Um, Great playmaker. Filthy hands. That's why I like him. I kind of get attached to players that have super good hands. That's why I like Middlestat. I'm really hoping he turns into a great player just because of his style. And I think I'll really fall in love with a type of player like that, with that type of style. That's why I love Connor McDavid. That's why I love Patrick Kane as a player. Um, It's just the hands. The hands are awesome. And Zingle, I think, has that. Ennis, I used to like back in the day uh, a lot, like when I was growing up. I know, I'm, I'm not that old. I was growing up when Tyler Ennis was a Sabre. Um, and I think Zingle has that to his game, and he also has the production. He has the production going back over the last three years. He's played in the top line uh, with the Ottawa Senators. He played more of a minor role with the Blue Jackets. And as I mentioned, he played in the playoffs last year, but he didn't do so well. Like one goal in nine games. And I think he was a healthy scratch maybe for a couple uh, but during the regular season, like when he got to the Blue Jackets, not too shabby, 12 points in 21 games. It's about a 50-point pace. And before that, I mean, he had 22 goals in 57 games for Ottawa. Like, he does produce. And he's only 27. It's rare that a, a guy becomes an unrestricted free agent at the age of 27. That's pretty young. Like, that's about as early as you can get to unrestricted free agency if you're a good player. Like, there are other guys that make it to unrestricted free agency that are like, you know, college free agents or uh, guys that haven't done a whole lot in the league and get cut or don't get re-signed. But like this guy, this guy's going to hit the open market and no one's really talking about him. His production is about as good as Jason Zucker. I'm not, it's, I'm not gonna lie. It's about as good as Jason Zucker. You look at the last three years, one of those guys I got to get up an asset for. Both of them, I'm going to have to pay some sort of money to. So why not do it to Dezingle? Don't have to give up an asset. That's just comparing those two players. I'd like to see them do some other stuff that might be a little bit bigger, but like there is a name that no one's talking about that might be flying under the radar that I'd like to see the Sabres get their hands on. He's kind of a one-dimensional player, but at this point, you need scoring, and I think I can get over the one-dimensional part if, if you could tell me he's going to come in and give me 50 points and going to give me 25 goals. I'd take that right now. All right, that's going to do it for me tonight. So thanks, everybody, for listening. You can check out the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. Like I said, a lot of full shows coming throughout the summer now. Now that the Stanley Cup playoffs are over, you'll get me to 7-9 to nine a lot more. For some of that, for, for some of you, that might be a good thing. For some of you, that might be a bad thing. But however you think about it, you're getting it. 
Stay tuned. Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final is next. Blues at Bruins. Can Boston get their 13th championship since 2000? That's the number. This would be the 13th championship for Boston since the year 2000. Or can Ryan O'Reilly and the St. Louis Blues win the Stanley Cup? And would O'Reilly be the Conn Smythe winner? Lots of intrigue going around about this game tonight. Stay tuned. Coverage here on WGR starts next. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.